Hello, hello. We are recording on Anchor right now as well. This is a, a new project that I'm starting for everybody watching. It's going to be called Intro to Extroverts. Um, basically, a, a podcast that uh, I, I'm going to talk to all the most interesting, outgoing, happy, excited, energetic people that I can freaking find on the internet. And we're going to uh, we're going to talk about um, mindsets and patterns and trends that uh, that the happiest people have, and how we can make make new friends and and deepen our connections with the people that we already have in order to excel your business and your personal life. Um, so you can get more enjoyment out of those out of those connections and be happier. So I would like to introduce my friend Michael Velosin. He's a uh, he's a business consultant, or as he says, a business success partner at Team Up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas. Um, he's had a long track record of, of success in, in networking and talking with people and making sure that their, their businesses and their connections are on point. Um, some stuff that we had actually talked about before is how to introduce yourself and how to get people's uh, attention and how to actually give them stuff to say without giving them stuff to say. So I'm going to let Michael talk for a second. He has a, a really interesting way of approaching people. And I, I took freaking notes on this guy. If you guys can see <laughs> last time that we had chatted, I was like, he is so interesting and he has like such a good vibe. So we clicked right away. So my man, introduce yourself. All right. So like I said, I'm Michael Velosin. I'm actually a native here to DFW. My parents escaped from communist Romania back in 87. They actually swam across the river in order to get here for political asylum. I was actually born here in 88. Uh, I went to school at the University of Dallas where I finished uh, multiple degrees. I was actually the president of three student organizations, uh, practiced swing dancing a lot, and actually built and sold three of my own companies. That's actually how I paid for my education. Uh, after graduating college, I actually worked with a direct sales company called Cutco for eight years where I helped develop and uh, train nine different sales offices. I was like the number two recruiter in 2017 uh, with the country uh, in the country with that company. Uh, I've been working with I'm working right now since February 1st of this year, and I wanted to be a business consultant ever since I was 22 years old, but nobody would trust a 22-year-old business consultant for whatever reason. And why would they? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I started when I was pretty much 30, and my boss said that I was the youngest person I've ever interviewed with him for the position, and the first one he actually offered on the spot. And how, how old were these guys that... How old were these guys that you were like uh, competing with, like the other people who had applied? Yeah, the other people who were applying were like, uh, all of them were like 45 plus. Most business consultants tend to be over the age of 40, have, uh, you know, become experts in their field and doing what they're doing. But uh, I've been, uh, uh, you know, sometimes they're like 40, sometimes they're retired, like 65, and they just kind of do it as like a mentoring consulting thing, just kind of, you know, to keep the fresh is you know the freshness going into the brain geezers man yeah we need some young blood in there hype it up so um michael was telling me he like introduces himself to people at, at networking events or i mean a bar or wherever but specifically if you're you know going for the business connection type of thing um and he leads with basically like the the three um well three of the most interesting things about him. Like, you know, his, his parents escaped and, and were, um, uh, you know, swam across the river, were refugees, right? Um, yep. And then built, built and sold three companies and also um, uh, was like leader of student organizations or, or 
I mean, you have like lists and lists of things that you could say, but you pick like the top three that you think are the most interesting. And then that's how you introduce yourself. Like that automatically leaves the other person with something to talk about. Right. So people are like, ah, oh, I don't know what to say. If I'm going to go up and, and talk to someone, it's everybody's biggest fear to be like a burden on a stranger or um, go up there and talk to them like, I don't want anything to be awkward because then it falls back on me. Right. Like if, if we're going up and, you know, we have something to say, we don't know anything about the other person, of course, but just by opening yourself up and like giving them something to talk about, like is so key, man. Like that was such a smart idea. Exactly. And do you think that, <laughs> do you think that, um, I think a lot of times people too, like, the people who are the people who say I don't want to talk about myself are the people who will just like automatically t- take over the whole conversation, right? <laughs> I think like, that's true. Yes, absolutely. He's like I don't know what to say, and they keep saying everything. Yeah, <laughs> but I feel like with opening up, like I don't think that's a selfish way to go about it. I don't think that's narcissistic. Just by opening up with that, um, I mean, what is there anything that you've like? seen from that i mean what are people's normal reaction when you like lay down the pipe man well so for me like you know I, when i first talked uh, i was really that person who said like i don't know how to introduce myself i don't know what people want to hear about me uh, i don't know what to say and then i was that person i was constantly you know taking over the conversation because i was an extrovert but i wasn't an extrovert with purpose so i didn't know exactly how to you know, introduce myself in a way that wasn't annoying. I used to be, uh, I had really bad social skills, didn't understand social cues, didn't understand like how to enter and exit a conversation or if someone's actually paying attention or were they just humoring me. So when I was working in sales, um, I learned probably after about six or seven months of really bad sales um, <laughs> that, you know, the best way to get the entire sales process going is doing a proper introduction. And so what I did is I just scripted out my introduction uh, when I was meeting with people. Um, but I was meeting with clients. But then I started thinking to myself, wait a minute, if I can script my interactions with clients, I can just in- script out my introductions to just normal people. Yeah. Uh, and that's really where it kind of came from. Now, you said, like, how do people uh, react? Most people don't have, like, a negative reaction. Almost every single person is like, wow, like, you have, like, you've done a lot of stuff at such a young age. I'm like, I just listed off, like, in less than, what, a minute, yeah. two minutes, like, some stuff about my life. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like it's a lot because I've condensed the content of it, and I've done it in such, like, a narrative way. It was like, yeah, this is where my life was, and, you know, this is, you know, this is my birth. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't think everyone has to start with the birthday. Know where, where you call home and where you're from. Yeah. Uh, you know, so went from there, and then I went to like, what's the most significant thing? I went to college. After that, you know, post college, and then now where I am today. Um, but that gives like pretty much my story, mm-hmm. uh, you know, my life story to a person <clears> so quickly, and allows them to engage and interact with who I am and what I've done, and allows them to be like, okay, cool, I can talk about separate points. Uh, at any given moment. So here, here's the next question. When you know, if you're going up to someone, usually, hey, how are you? What's going on? Oh, I got a new Tinder match. Um, I just got a notification. <laughs> but it's like, hey, how are you? Um, if you're the person who's initiating the conversation, I feel like the the first point that you're going to try and bring up is going to be about them. Um, are there any pointers for that you can like 
maybe tell people to kind of flip that like, hey, how are you? Like, it's it would be weird if I say, hey, nice to meet you. My name's Austin. Tell me all about you. <laughs> and people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh-huh. Like, who are you, man? Um, so, if I were to say, uh, you know. Are you asking if I'm approaching someone introducing myself first or they've approached me and introduced themselves? Yeah, because I I feel like if someone else approaches you, then uh, it's more obligatory to the approach E that they're like, okay, this person's interested in me. Let me uh, explain what I do, where I'm from, blah, blah, blah. But if you're approaching them and they're like, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do this. How do you then like ask the right question to ask them about you? to make them ask more. Yeah. To open that. Yeah. So there's been a lot of, um, hate on the term small talk recently. Yeah. Uh, in the last couple of years, I hear they like, Oh, I hate small talk or whatever. There's nothing wrong with small talk. Small talk leads to big talk. Yeah. There you go. Small talk. And, and I had a friend of mine saying like, I just don't see the point of small talk. And the point of small talk is to find a common ground with someone that you can actually share an interest and then dive into. Totally. Um, so with me, whenever like I'm talking to someone and I'm like, you know, introduce, you know, I'm not exactly introduce myself. I'm trying to greet someone. Um, it is all about them. So when I, you know, I'll, we'll walk in with a small talk of like, Hey, so where do you work? What do you do? Mm-hmm. Where are you from? I'm asking, common small questions that mm-hmm. anybody can ask but what i really want to do and uh i have two theories of communication is one is called echo control it's pretty much affirmative listening it's taking what they're saying and then turning it into a question right so I'm like hey austin what do you do and you say you're a banker i'm like oh my god you're a banker where right <laughs> and then what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to find something that i can actually build a story out of uh, that leads to my second theory of communication. So you have echo controls first one, and the second one is you plus me equals we times three. Guys, take notes uh, on this. This is good shit. <laughs> <laughs> you, me, we equals three times uh, equals we times three. What that is is I want you to tell me a story about yourself, uh-huh. and when you and when I can get you to tell a story about yourself, and then uh, what I want to do is I'm going to try to drill in for three facts about you in that story right so if i'm saying like hey you know austin you're a banker cool where do you work at you work at bank of america that's awesome how long you've been there seven years what you do before that and it's like oh, i graduated college okay cool i have nothing to do i have no stories about banks right <laughs> i don't really care but i can go to college right right so great so you went to school where did you go to school what did you study great did you rush and you went to fraternity cool then I can start connecting, you know, then I'll be like, oh, dude, what's the craziest story from your fraternity life, right? And then I, you know, and what I want to do then is find a story that I can either react to or ask more questions about. Mm-hmm. And again, the formula is to get three facts from that story, and I'm going to drill into three small facts, right? So, yeah. Uh, so say you're in a fraternity, which fraternity? Great, that's fact one. Um, did you join as a freshman? Fact two, and then whatever, right? And then the third point might be like, yeah, I'm still in contact with all my fraternity brothers. Great. And I'll ask, cool, if you did a freshman, like, did you do all the freshman rights? And did you have to do like all the, you know, pledging and all that stuff? Mm-hmm. And then ask some questions about that and then go to the second point, which was like, you know, how did you enjoy your experiences or what are some crazy stories from there? And then if you're still in touch with your fraternity brothers, cool, which ones do you like the most? What do you guys do? And then I'll ask a couple <coughs> questions about that. But the important thing is that once I've gotten, again, 
nine or so facts from you about your story, and that story's kind of come to a close, I'm going to interject with my own story related to that. So I wasn't really in a fraternity life, but I was involved in a lot of school organizations, right? I was part of the student government. I was a part, I was the president of three different clubs. And I mm-hmm. can talk about my club experiences. And that way we have a we moment at the end where if I can share similar facts. Is that like a like a golden shower moment or like, uh, like what? When I was when I was trying to do this, I and communicate with people. I really learned this, by the way, like at bars. I was trying to talk to girls, and I just didn't know how to talk to classic. When I was really pretty, so I was like, right, yeah. So I'm gonna get the get them to tell me a story, uh, and if they can tell me a story, they're gonna be automatically interested. I'm already interested in them, right? And if I can connect my story to the story they're sharing with me, right. All of a sudden, we have a better bond, and I want to make sure I do that three times in a conversation. Nice. First time meeting someone. Because if I can connect with three stories with them, I know three of theirs, I know three of mine. A, it makes me remember the person better if I encounter them again in the future. Sure. Particularly in the business setting, right? But also, if they know three stories about me, great. They're going to remember me better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on average, the average human only knows, like, what, I think it's 160 to 200 people. Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah. We immediately have trust. Okay. And trust comes business, comes love, comes whatever you want. Next comes marriage. Next comes little Michael and the baby carriage. That's right. <laughs> That's not all. Sitting on the wall, drinking, I don't know, coconuts and oh, rum. and. Okay, so it's uh, – I'm going to write this down and, and uh, I should like post this or type this or something. It's me times – can I make a comment? Right. Me, X. You, me, you plus me. Oh, you. The you plus me equals me times me. Me. It sounds like a, <laughs> I don't know, like a, Algebra. like a song or something. All right, I'm leaving it in the comments right. for, for everybody. You plus me equals we times three. So that's a concept of like, I guess what you're saying is, is like story building, Right. I mean, just story building and like helping helping people like develop their own story without really them knowing about it, which is pretty cool. Right. Which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I find in my experience that most people don't know actually how to tell a story. Yeah. Right, because they don't practice them or think about storytelling. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of helping them along, right? And you and I joked about this the other day where, you know, in elementary school, how do you write an essay? You have that three main sentences mm-hmm. or main, main Paragraphs, yeah. Three supporting sentences. You have paragraphs, right? You have the three paragraphs of three topics with three sentences supporting those topics, and then boom, you have an essay. Right. right? So in my head, I'm like, cool, remember that in elementary school, I can remember that today. Yeah. And that's a good way to think about it is like (laughs) there is there is a pattern to this kind of stuff. Like and and you can get better at it if you practice and if you go with intention into it. Like you said at the a little bit earlier, like a lot of people are extroverts or they think they're extroverts, but they don't know how to do it with intention. Like they're just being like loud and outgoing just for shits and giggles. And then they leave the, yeah. And then they leave the networking event or they leave the bar alone or with no business cards. And like, 
everybody knows them, but they're like, why was why was that person here? <laughs> like they didn't get anything out of it. Like, well, just last night, I uh, or not last night, it was Friday night. I was at a networking event, yeah. and there was this woman who uh, she had a book of like, she was like a little leather book where she put cards in, and she would just like, "Hi, my name is." You know, Alicia, I'm here to uh, collect business cards. Can I have yours? I'm like, sure. And she looked at me and she's like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a business consultant, right? And I'm smiling, being open to her. Yeah. And she's like, great. Bye. <laughs> the worst. So she's, she's, ending up with, yeah, she's ending up with a whole bunch of business cards, but with no relationship. Oh, man. So I don't know how she's expecting to grow the business. Right, right. right. Um, because... A little bit more. I'm willing to, like, if she contacts me, I'm willing to communicate with her, but I will also criticize her because <laughs> you shouldn't do that. <laughs> right. I should be telling, like, we're at a networking event and there's a keynote speaker, but I should be telling him how to do this stuff. I was listening to uh, uh, some, I, I think it was Dan Locke, if you've ever, I don't know. This guy pops up on my uh, Instagram and on my YouTube all the time and he seems like an asshole, but I'm like, you know what? All right. I, I get it. You, you got my attention. Uh, he wrote a book called fuck you money. <laughs> I was like, what? Okay. Let me, yeah, let me see what this guy's about. So I clicked on it and he was like, yeah, this lady was trying to, you know, sell me a home in LA and she just was, here's the kitchen. It's nice. Here's the bathroom. It's nice too. And he's like, no, he said he stopped her and he was like, can you ask me these specific questions in this order? And let me teach you right now how to sell me this house because it's not working. And she asked him at the, she asked him at the end. Said, "So, are you going to buy?" He says, "No, I'm not going to buy. I'm not going to buy because of you." <laughs> and she was like, "Yeah, absolutely." Yeah, I'll give someone else my money. <laughs> my fu yeah, money. I think I need to like escort you through the conversation. Right. Hold my hand. I'll show you the way. And that's, that's a, (laughs) that's so interesting. Like, I think if, if we can help people like identify the, the pattern and like what's supposed to happen, like, okay, here's your intro, uh, paragraph. And then here's paragraph one, two, three, and then here's the conclusion. And then you write your name and cite your sources on the second page. Like if we can, if we can, you know, help people understand that there is a pattern to conversations and to interactions, then uh, when they're going up and interacting with someone new who doesn't know the pattern, like Alicia, you know, this lady at the networking event, if you're the knowledgeable one, now you can kind of be the teacher and without them knowing it, you can be holding their hand through the conversation. Everything's a lot less uncomfortable, a lot less awkward because like, you're scripted and you're just like having this, like you understand the information because you've consumed it from this podcast or, you know, whoever, once you write your book, <laughs> maybe if they read that. Right. Yeah. Um, let's see. I, I think there was uh, a, yeah, the, well, that's the point of the U plus me equals we times three, right. Is to give someone a script without them actually knowing that there's like they're being scripted yeah. into the actual relationship process right it's asking them the right question mm-hmm. getting them engaged and but also not only getting them engaged but engaging with them in a real way yeah um is it sometimes artificial because for me when i first started doing it i actually had to start counting on my hand okay that was fact one 
Okay, that was sub fact one, sub fact two, sub fact three, right? And it became so second nature to me where I could actually start, you know, participating uh, a little bit more naturally, right? So now it's second nature. But it took me probably about six months to get to that level where I didn't have to count it. Right? Yeah. And this is and this uh, is you like, like you're like creating that too. Like as you're going, uh, as far as I know, I've never heard of that before. So not only are you like saying, okay, this is cool and I'm going to count and like make sure I'm following the protocol, but it's like, okay, I have to remember what I thought of <laughs> because this is all new stuff, which is super cool. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing, too, is like, you know, starting off with that introduction, right? Like, you know, having a scripted introduction, people always say, and uh, actually one of the people I helped train about this, Kim Yen, just joined us. Um, What's up, Kim? Scripting an introduction, it doesn't have to be awkward. And it isn't awkward, right? Yeah. It is awkward. It's like, my name is Michael Velosin. The <laughs> things you should know about me are. Right. <laughs> you know, but if you practice and you can make it natural, right? Why, why do actors rehearse lines? To make it sound natural. Right. Right. And same thing with us. Right. So I think... Write it in your own words. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe that's something that we could do. It's kind of like... I think people hate on... Um, they think that scripts or like rehearsing something or like practicing is like unnatural or... Man, I just want to let the conversation flow like we are right now. But, you, you know, this is not this is not our first interaction so it's not like there has to be a, a a protocol for that, but it's it's just like anything else. Like if you want to get better at something, like there are ways to do it. You can improve your social skills, even though it's kind of like a fuzzy, like you know, intangible thing that's hard to grasp on. There are no hard numbers with how good of a conversation you can have or how comfortable you feel. I suppose you could put numbers to that, but um, yeah, that's I mean that's something that that you. Right, right, right. <laughs> Michael's comfortable enough um, with me that when we first jumped on the video, uh, he he like was doing something like this, like plugging something in, and he had a tank top on, and like, it was dark in the room, and I thought it was his butt crack with like a thong, <laughs> like going down the middle. <laughs> but then he like came back, and I was like, "Oh no, wait, 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 what is it? What is happening right now?" <laughs> <laughs> what um okay i was gonna go uh into so speaking of there's like things that are kind of scripted and and we can um rehearse those things and we can get better at, at making that first interaction with people so it's not as awkward we can give them uh, uh our hand to help walk them through the conversation without them knowing it um you had mentioned before about like the the different kinds of uh, people there are and that it becomes easier to talk to people if you like people hate to be put in categories I feel like but it makes a lot of sense from like a um, I mean a tactical standpoint if you can walk up to someone from what you kind of infer just by watching their body language or just by hearing them talk previously you can kind of classify them without uh, nailing them into a category by like understanding that there are only a limited set of stories basically that people have in their lives. Like the details change and everything like that. But what were you saying about that? I thought that was super interesting too. Yeah, you know, um, I think the Russian uh, early literary writers who said like, you know, there's no new story under the sun. 
Uh, at least that's one of the theories. There's like 27 core stories. And, you know, researching this, other some people argue that there's like seven core stories uh, or seven archetype stories and whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever the number is, right? There's a limited amount of actual stories in existence uh, in, in the human experience. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but you have to get exposed to more and more people. I, I work with a lot of people. I've trained a lot of people. I've worked, you know, really aggressively to meet as many people as I can. This year, I've met like 1,400 people face-to-face since February, really working on my network. Yeah. Um, so understanding that there's, you know, certain human experiences that exist, uh, that are universal, right. And that there's a certain limited. So, you know, I might be looking at someone's like, okay, so this is happy person number one, and that's fake happy. This is happy person number two, who's genuine happy, right. And how many categories you want to say that there are that, you know, certain experience allows you to engage with that person because you actually have experience with other people who are similar. And that's the reason why I do script out so much of like, you know, how I interact with people and my introduction is because I want to A, stand out, but B, I want them to know my story. Right. right? Like how many people know people who've, you know, escaped communist Romania? Okay, cool. Well, now I'm suddenly in like the less than 1% of their life. Right. Um, and that's going to be the first fact to remember me. And that's the first. What's happening? Uh, Michael! Where'd you go? Oh, please tell me I'm not on Wi-Fi and it's screwing me over. Jesus Christ. Pardon the interruption, y'all. Give me one second here. Michael! Oh, no. All right. Well, he's going to jump back on. I'm pretty sure. I hope. Bring a friend. How do we do this? Wait, 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 wait. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we were talking about... Uh, categorizing like and again all this all this vocabulary is um i think people get the wrong impression from it like if i say i'm categorizing people people are like oh don't don't put a label on me don't judge me you ain't know me it's like okay well would you rather have me like make an inference about you so i have something to go off of so i can like start the conversation respectfully and intelligently or would you rather just have me come in there just like banging against the walls and you're like really not that kind of person okay here here we go add yes okay that's funny it says michael velosin wants <laughs> says wants to be on your video let me in hello welcome back hey sorry about that someone called me saying like i see you on the internet and of course it kicks me off <laughs> Video. <laughs> You're famous. Oh my gosh. Oh my mom my mom is watching. She's watching from the bathroom. I just heard her laugh. <laughs> well, I'm glad I turned you off. Okay, great. <laughs> it's always good. Um okay. I I while while we were um so rudely interrupted, uh I was I was mentioning how <clears throat> people say uh 
these these like vocab words like categorizing like categorizing people and scripting and practicing like i think there's a there's different interpretations that people get because and and there's like a negative connotation to all this stuff but it's like would you rather have someone who is intelligent and like has done their done their due diligence on how to construct a conversation how to construct a story how to um pick up on visual cues so they like don't come into the conversation just like flailing their arms and like you know yelling and being i don't know some some type of person because they have no idea what the other person is like or is it like okay i can tell from your body language that more than likely this is your situation right now maybe you're just having a bad day something like that and then you know how to approach them with the with the right attitude and the right um yeah with the right carriage of how you're coming in story right like we want to make the right connections with people right and you know and there's so many personality tests out there right take Myers Briggs right Myers Briggs says there's only 16 categories of people and he's like people love the Myers Briggs but I've never come across someone's like oh man the Myers Briggs is so big or I don't know like, <laughs> can't believe they people like no they like it because they took 100 questions like well that is me right? yeah so, right like it's like a horoscope <laughs> Right. You learn how to identify those sixteen types of people just by their body language, by their experience. Probably, can you, or can you learn that? Right. So for me, I don't use Myers Briggs that much. Uh, I use more Core Values Index Test, um, and I've memorized <laughs> the sixteen combinations from there. Right. So that's what I really focus on. Mm. Uh, so how to engage with people. I mean, there a lot of them are pretty much the same, right? Sure. So learning like how to do you know Core Values Index Test is like identifying the core values of someone and what is the language that they respond to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of the second popular uh, test I like to look at to help people or actually help create my relationships with people is the love languages test. Yeah. I make all my clients take the love languages test because, you know, with different clients, they <laughs> might really enjoy if I actually just do like a thing for them or some of them might actually hate if I actually, you know, do the activity I told them to do. Some of them will be really happy if I just give them a gift. That's going to motivate them to work even harder. Right. So whatever it is, make sure that I'm engaging them on their level mm. in their own language. And I yeah. Think that's really important. And I think, again, I think some people just get, you know, I think anyone who's saying like, oh, I don't want to do scripting or I don't want to practice or whatever, I think they're just being a little bit selfish because they assume that everyone's going to be interested in them no matter what or maybe just a little sad because they think nobody's interested in them no matter what. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to actually present your way that's in an interesting manner to help others connect with you. The right. right. And I think that's, that's really important is to like flip the script and say like, you're selfish if you don't talk about yourself. <laughs> Almost like you're, yeah, you're selfish if you don't take the time to work on yourself. Because if, if you're not like a, I mean, think about this. If you're the person who's going up and starting the conversation and then pushing all the effort onto the other person, it's like, hey, nice to meet you. You do all the work. Right, yeah. I'm going to ask you 20 questions and rapid fire and hopefully you don't feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And here's the weird thing, right? Imagine you doing that, like engaging them only on themselves, Mm -hmm. right? And then you leave the conversation. What just happened? Well, someone just learned all this information about me, and I don't know if they basically told it to a stranger. Yeah, yeah. With this information, they just asked. 
Yeah, and sometimes I feel um, <clears throat> I feel like people have issues finding balance in the conversation as far as like give and take. Um, are there any like indicators that that you have noticed as far as like uh, timing? Like if 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 I start talking with someone, um, I'll like use the the phrasing like the timing of how long each person is talking and however long they talk, I'll like try and mirror that. Right. So they're like, Hey, how's it going, Michael? You're like, Oh, it's good. Like, yeah, it's good for me too. And then I have like, I can't just go, it's good for me too. Yeah. I've been here all night, blah, blah, blah. Here's my, uh, and just like start going into it. Cause they're like, "Mm," you know, unless, unless the conversation renders, but I think, I think, yeah, starting the conversation and just like kind of mirroring like the pattern of speech and and the duration of how long everybody's talking, then you can kind of have like almost like a like a plus or minus. Um, what do they call that? De- um, help me out. Some sort of statistical thing. De- yeah, yeah. Standard deviation. Yeah. You can have like, a, you know, one, two or three standard deviation from like the mean of what's going on in the conversation. But like, what are the, like, uh, I, I feel like there are some, some cues that you can catch on, uh, to people to kind of let them know, like, Hey, I want to know more about you or, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> so I, I, I think I pick it up there. So using the earliest form of communication within man, right. Going back to the Amazon all times, right. Is storytelling. And that's why I emphasize most of my communication through story. Um, I, I don't, you know, I think time, like, you know, parsing out how many seconds someone spoke, I think that's a really good first level way of actually communicating and actually having fairness in the conversation. Uh-huh. But I think it's more important to be like, hey, if you like, you tell me a story and your story, whatever that is, however long that takes, sweet, right? Mm. It, it can be, it can take you 30 minutes to tell me that story, it could tell me, take three minutes. As long as you do a proper story where there's like certain amount of facts and certain amount of connection and a way for us to connect together on that story, mm-hmm. then I it. it doesn't matter how long my story is too, as long as it's engaging. Yeah. Nice. Right. And I'm engaging with that person's story. I could, you know, they talk for 10 minutes. I could talk for 20 minutes on my version of the story, but they're going to be into it because they spoke first. Mm-hmm. First, but now I'm reflecting a similar story to them that's going to engage in that story to create a narrative between us. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. So they might tell me a five minute story and then I tell them a 10 minute story. They might tell me a 30 minute story and I only reflect with a five minute story because maybe I have a very short story that only takes five minutes. <laughs> the experience between us. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, that's just like all we're doing is building rapport and, right. you know, how. I guess how far out from of a story can you go and something that's, you know, you start telling a story that's completely, you know, like they have nothing to do with um, escaping communist Romania <laughs> or their parents probably haven't done that. Like that's a crazy story and something that very, very few people have done, but it's really interesting to listen to. And you're like, what the, like, <laughs> um, how, I think there's, I think there's a craft to bringing that like to the present moment. And like, this is how this relates to you. How can we go into that? Um, I mean, it might, it might just be asking the question, like, do you have any crazy stories? Like where are your parents from? That's <laughs> probably the easiest version, right? Where yeah. It's like, Hey, you know, it's like, I'm going to tell you a wild story about my origins and upbringing. And then here's 
and then I asked them like, you know, it's extra, you know, this is where it could have been, this is where you show off of being really selfish. And I tell this story without prompting saying like, do you know your family history? And then I said, so what's your family history? He's like, oh, my parents are from here. And I don't know. Yeah. That is me being authentically selfish because I'm not actually, I didn't actually engage with them that they want to hear this type of tale. Mm, so, mm, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, and, and not all stories must be for all moments. But uh, you know, I talked about you know actually practicing and mediating, having a lot of stories so you can actually bring multiple stories into different uh, moments. Yeah, 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 yeah. So talk a little bit about that. I think that's really interesting. I mean, you, <laughs> I, I laughed a couple times when when we were chatting last about uh, like these little like nerdy quirks that you had. <laughs> um, tell t- t- tell them about the clicker, Michael. Tell them about the clicker. experiments uh-huh. actually bought one of the, like little clickers that you know to count things um, like people coming into the bar how many attendees were yeah like that, that little clicker thing right and then so I was trying to learn um, how to do better communication because I was again freshman sophomore year of college I was really nerdy really can like interact with a lot of people but I thought if I do experiments I can figure it out so I was like okay does blinking tell me anything about a person <laughs> and can it in a conversation to see if they're angry or if they're happy yeah if they're upset they should constantly be counting uh, there's no correlation by the way that i found <laughs> whatever yeah in your studies at least <laughs> in my studies which was not 100 scientific but well tracked and well documented nice uh, but not, you know, yeah, didn't learn anything but you know in the same vein uh i was really thinking that you know um how to communicate better with people. And I, I was told by a blessed person in college, like, man, you are really annoying, by the way. Like, <laughs> I love you, but you're really annoying. I'm like, why am I really annoying? He's like, because you always talk about stuff that nobody wants to talk about, which I figure I still do today. Savage. But, <laughs> <laughs> but then what I need to do is probably, you know, I never journaled. I never had a diary, never had a journal, never really did that. But what I started doing is actually documenting uh, in a journal, the most interesting story of the day, uh, and the reason why. So I wanted to uh, actually create a collection of thing, of events that happened, the most interesting event that happened that day. And at the end of the month, I would look through my last thirty days of interesting stories, tear out the least interesting stories. Like I ran out of cereal. That's the most exciting thing that happened. Right <laughs> a really upsetting, upsetting day. Uh-huh. Uh, so, but then, you know. And maybe out of 30 stories, maybe five of them are actually really good. And then I'd actually practice those five stories uh, literally in the mirror. And then I'd practice it with my friends. It's like, yo, hey, like three weeks ago, uh, you know, this thing happened. I mean, I'd go through the whole story. And it would really kind of annoy some of my friends because they would look at me like, that story included me. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> like, I was there. It's like, I know I'm just practicing. I want to make sure I'm telling it the right way. Right. Yeah. Even today, before I even go to bed, I lay in bed uh, 
was the most interesting moment or what's the most interesting story I could tell from today? Because mm-hmm. the next day, I'll tell someone, oh my God, yesterday this thing happened. And I'll be able to tell if it's an interesting story. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, one of my friends will, uh, some of my friends will actually give me really good feedback for those who really know like my storytelling process. I actually had a friend, uh, I told her a story of, uh, you know, something I thought was miraculous and most the most exciting thing in the world. And then she looked like, nobody's going to like that story. Like, it, like, it's a good story for you, and it's really impressive for you, but nobody outside your circle will get it. So I'm like, no, I'm going to try it. And I tried it with like seven other people to tell this one specific story. Yeah. And that story went flat every single time, like to predict it. I'm like, okay, you know what? That's a good story for me, not a good story for other people. So I had to toss that story away. And some stories just don't work, and that's totally okay. Right. So, yeah. And I, yeah, that's like, it's almost like when you listen to comedians talk on, on podcasts or talk like off stage about, you know, their life as a comedian and, and what they do and like the preparation it takes and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they are just like any other professional, like they rehearse what they're going to say and they try it out in front of different crowds. So they know like, okay, the Dallas Fort Worth crowd laughed here and I'm going to pause for a second, but the uh, the crowd in New York did not think that was so funny, <laughs> but that's that's really interesting that you can you know envision who you're going to be telling this story to like as you're practicing your own and these are your own experiences so of course you're going to like them you know so it's it should be easy for you to like rehearse that stuff in your head talk to yourself in the mirror or just anywhere I mean in the mirror is great because you can see your facial expressions or like on a Facebook Live or something like this. Um, you know, if you're practicing all that kind of stuff, but then, um, it goes back to like, I'm not being selfish because I'm trying to bring value. Like that's how I'm crafting, like in a conversation where there's no exchange of currency or services or anything, like how can you, how can you bring value? It's because you can bring stuff that you've practiced and you've like worked hard to do. And it's just like the art of making people not feel awkward around you. (laughs) So it's like, Having the, the art to actually craft and move and experience, like the conversation along. Yeah. Uh, and the great thing is that people are actually, as you're exchanging stories, that becomes a story in itself. I can't tell you how many times I've sat with, you know, or met with someone, did a story with them, talked to them for a little bit, and then, you know, I see them weeks later and they're introducing me to someone else. And they're like, oh my God, I met Michael like oh, two months ago. Uh, we exchanged some really great stories about the stuff. Michael knows a lot about stuff about like X, Y, Z. Yeah. And then he'll just hold the conversation from that person to me, which I thought was really hilarious because he just told a story to someone, a story of us exchanging stories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like storyception, man. <laughs> so, but I think it's important to actually, again, going back to the whole selfish and selfless thing, right? Like, I think it is important to uh, make the conversations easier. If you have the ability to do conversation easier, why not share? Yeah, yeah, that's. And I personally don't. I hate when people are just like, "Yup, nope." Oh my gosh, yep. it's the worst, and it it baffles me that that people actually do that. It's like, how can you not be self aware of like what's going on unless you're doing it intentionally? Like if. <laughs> You know, you're trying to talk to this girl at a bar and you're like having a great time. And she's like, ugh. <laughs> like, okay, whoa, I get the hint. Holy crap. Like, that's weighing real heavy on me. I'll just uh, walk away now. 
Um, but I, I think along with storytelling, like people like to hear stuff that sparks their curiosity. Like if they already know how the story is going to end, that's cool and all, but it's just like, um, I mean, if you think of conversations like clickbait, like what are humans innately going to pay attention to and what is innately going to make humans take an action. And I talked about this on a, on a webinar that I gave on black Friday is like humans love curiosity and curiosity makes people take action. Like people hate to be in the unknown. So if you're like starting to tell a story and it like invokes their curiosity, um, but they're not really sure where it's going, that is just naturally going to make people more open to answer any questions you might have. Like during the story, be like, Blah, blah, blah. I was in Paris and I, uh, I was couch surfing and this guy, um, he offered to pay me 200 euro. Have you ever been offered to, you know, have, has someone ever offered to pay you for something? And they're like, right. what? No. <laughs> like, uh, okay. You know, this story I told you last time. <laughs> um, to the first topic we talked about like having that solid practice intro yeah where you geek their the curiosity because you you know and i always tell people whenever when they're actually practicing and scripting their two-minute introduction <coughs> is make it these make it the most interest make the introduction the most interesting most interesting things about you currently or in your past mm. right um and just make it like your highlight feel yeah and people happen all the time, like, you know, when I train people, it's like, aren't I just bragging about stuff? I'm like, no, like, only if you make it come across as very, like, so my parents escaped communist Romania, and they said, <laughs> what did you do? Like, right. come on, like, there. But I just say, matter of fact, like, yeah, my parents escaped in 87, I was born in 88, went to college here locally, born and raised here in DFW, like, okay, cool. Yeah. That suddenly changes the tone where, like, that's interesting, and I want to ask questions about that. Or maybe they don't. Maybe they want to ask where I went to school because they went to school locally. And maybe we went to the same college at some point, right? Mm-hmm. So, but make sure that you do have little breadcrumbs where people can actually pick up on the conversation. Yeah, the clickbait, man. I think if, if we can start to craft that, and that can come in your stories, um, like, not only just, like, telling the facts and, like, exposing everything right up front. It's, like, going to a... Um, Oh, what do they call it? I'm not real familiar with this, but you know, where you go to like a location and there are women there who are dancing. What, what do you call it? A peak show, peep show. Yeah. (laughs) You got to run these conversations like, like peep shows, right? If you just give it all up all at once, like you're not going to get, you're not going to build the the currency. There's not going to be an exchange, right? So you have to start and uh, leave like little holes in your story. I feel like where people can, um, be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What was that part that you were just saying? Like, what were you just talking about? They paid you for what? Or they offered to pay you for what? Or <laughs> like they, your parents like swam across the river or they boated or like, uh, whose boat was it? Was it a yacht? Did they have flippers when they swam? <laughs> just like allowing people to be naturally curious about things. Because like when you're curious, you have this, um, this unsettling feeling like you're, you're unstable. It kind of like knocks you off your equilibrium and people hate that feeling of being like stuck in the middle of that, like, um, Nirvana, I guess of not like, like it would be better if you just didn't say anything at all, or you'd freaking told me the answer. So like people are motivated to find that, that solace right in the middle. And, uh, you know, that, that almost like 
kind of ethically hooks them to your conversation if you can do it right, you know? Right. Um, and that's, yeah, I think that's super important to, to practice what you're, what you're going for, like being extroverted with intention is super cool. Um, but that, what you just said right there, it's important too. If someone's telling you a story, you got to be engaged too. That would be like, you know, your stories are not the best, you know, can't be the only stories that are being shared. Right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. So you got to make sure that whenever you are uh, telling a story and someone's giving you a story, mm-hmm. please pay attention. You got to pay attention. Yeah. Like, don't just immediately, like, black out whenever they're talking. <laughs> so, oh, my God. You got to actually be able yeah. Right. Uh, Story to tell you right now. Yeah. <laughs> Have you, do you watch Black Mirror at all? Uh, not yet. It's on my list. Oh man, it's sh- just got re- like uh, renewed for season five or something. Nice. There's a there's a Black Mirror episode where uh, they have like contacts in that are like connected to a chip in their brain and they can like rewind situations and they can like display their memories on TVs and stuff that's like. It could probably happen like very soon, but the only thing holding it back is like ethics and like, oh, that's that probably shouldn't. Uh, that's not morally sound, I guess. But I'm <laughs> I'm imagining you're like telling a story and your eyes are lighting up and you're like, wow, this is so cool that I'm re- reliving this and I'm telling it to you. And as soon as you start to tell me a story, like my eyes glaze over and I like replay my own memories <laughs> instead of listening to yours. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, you're actually going to have to be engaged anyways, right? or at least by hope. Yeah. 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 Because you get like, it's the key is like finding, like we said at the very beginning, like finding the commonalities people want to know, um, or, you know, know, like, and trust, I guess. Um, yeah. it's like, how are we, how are we I always forget the last line on that, by the way, trust. Trust me, pay me. Oh, all right, all right. <laughs> and at the very at the very beginning, it can be paid in in social currency, like we were saying. Like, what's the value exchange? Pay me your attention. Gary Vaynerchuk says that all the time. He's like, the most important thing to me is your attention. Like, if you can give me that, then I will give you whatever you want. Like, Absolutely. pay attention to me. <laughs> um, uh, what are we, we have about 10 minutes left. I'm, I'm trying to run this podcast like an hour long. Um, what um, Are there any questions that you wish people would ask more, would ask you more? Like, man, I have this like secret part in my life where people pay me for stuff, but hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for me, whenever I'm coming up with, uh, whenever I talk about the stuff, you know, I think I just get so excited. I just like, word vomit as much as I can but I think people I wish people would ask me more about you know and, and Tammy actually gave a talk on the art of the introduction as before mm-hmm. one point that I brought up is that you should actually have not only just a two minute introduction that's prepared mm-hmm. you have a two minute five minute ten minute and thirty minute introduction oh wow and people are like why the hell would you need a thirty minute introduction 
introduction. And the reason why you need a 30 minute introduction is pretty much for one reason, one reason only, is whenever you meet this, uh, the parents of your significant other. All right. It'd be, it's important to have like 30 minutes of good content to share with the father of the girl you're dating if you sit down for dinner for the first time. Nice. So that way he, it's like, he's going to ask me a ton of questions anyways. But why don't I just give him all the questions or all the answers to the questions he's already wondered about? Mm. Mm-hmm. In a prepared narrative way. 10-minute introductions are perfect for the first date, right? Uh, what's the number one complaint you probably hear about most first dates? It was awkward. Uh, it was awkward. It didn't, like, we didn't connect. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. We didn't really on anything. So here's the thing. Having 10 minutes of good material that you can ask, you know, like we said before, creating material that allows people to ask more questions about you who you are is really important. So having 10 minutes of actual prepared content about yourself is good. And then you pair that down to your five-minute introduction. And I always say the five-minute introduction is great for uh, first thing at dinner. Uh, and what I mean by that is, like, I don't know if you've ever been to a dinner before at a restaurant or someone's house, and you only know the person who brought you. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ten don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Have that five-minute introduction to actually exchange with other people who are around you. I also think it's important for job interviews. And then the two-minute introduction is, you know, networking beginning of a sales process or anything yeah. like that. Um, yeah. And of course, you know, you take your big speeches and then you pair it down for different situations. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I really say. Not that people should have that. I feel like people need to ask me, but I feel like people need to know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, uh, again, man, it's, it's so important to like understand that this like lofty thing that we call conversation or networking or making friends or talking to strangers it like it's just like anything else it can be digested um through steps and like tangible things that you can work on and practice i mean look at uh i mean any speaker that i were to go to see or like um, uh, a seminar or any workshops that i have or whatever they basically like the the people the professionals who are doing this like at a high level um they probably have more than just their speaking uh engagement they probably have like a speaking engagement, a book, a uh, interactive workshop, an online course, uh, one-on-one coaching. Like they have like a package. People who are exchanging these like um, information products, and they like let's take Tony Robbins for example, right? Awaken the Giant Within. I'm like halfway through this book. I've been reading it all last week. Um, they take basically everything in here that I'm reading. I went to the Unleash the Power Within event in New Jersey. And he basically took all this content in the book and like made it into a workshop and then like took all of the workshop things that we talked about and put it into a, a workbook, right? And then like he has coaching as well, like one-on-one, you know, coaches that help you work through your stuff. And it's all of the same concepts, but now it's directly to you one-on-one and you have someone who's knowledgeable about the process and they are like walking you through the process to help you have that personal experience instead of just telling like about other people's experience. So it's like that can be the same thing with these these intros. Like you have your two minute, the five minute, the ten minute, um, and and up and up and up. It's like the same thing. It's just expanded on a little bit. And I I think the hardest 
the hardest part, a lot of people think it's like hard to write a book like this. Like I could never, I don't know how much to, you know, I can't talk about that stuff. It's like, okay, I think you'll find it's a lot harder to take like the whole experience that you've had in your entire life and whittle it down to the most interesting two minutes. Like that's the hard part, you know? Like if we're, if we're encouraging people to be better communicators, I would say like, man, start journaling, right? Um, start reading more about people who are doing this stuff and, uh, yeah. And follow this podcast and add, and add add us as friends on Facebook. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And like, and like, you know, I think you're right. I think in summary, right. In order to become a better communicator is practice journal. Yeah. 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 That is good stuff. Well, I think we're going to wrap up here. <clears throat> I think we're going to wrap up here. Um, my mom's over here crinkling these, this bag of pretzels. I'm like, mom, what are you doing? My, my like microphone wavelengths are like, like stop. We're live. <laughs> no, it's funny. She's a great lady. Thanks mom. She's my roommate. <laughs> Um, so Michael, for the people who are listening here, where do you hang out the most online? Where do you hang out the most, uh, in person? Are there like favorite, uh, groups of net, like networking groups that you go to give us a little, little bit of information where we can find you. People online can find me, uh, on my Facebook is just Michael Folosen, V-O-L-O-S-E-N. I love connecting with people on LinkedIn. I'll be actually working on uh, a series of blogs. I have 47 blogs uh, that I'm preparing for 2019. Nice. So pretty much doing a blog. Um, and when it comes down to professional networking and face uh, to face here in DFW and Flower Mound, there's professional business networking from 11:30 to one uh, up in Flower Mound. I go to that one. I've been going. I've only missed I think four weeks, and three of those weeks I was in Romania. So nice. Uh, it's 40 to 60 people a week. And I have my own B2B networking group out in Bedford on Thursday from 11.30 to 12.30 for business professionals and business owners only. So if they want to see me face-to-face, I'd love to see them there. Nice. Good stuff, man. Always a pleasure to talk to you. (laughs) We were like jamming, laughing. I hope people got uh, value out of this. I know even I got value out of this and I have ideas on how I can step up my game, be a better communicator, be less selfish by working on myself which is counterintuitive, but uh, I think the more people understand that, like the better you get, the more, uh, the heavier your your social purse can be by, by working on yourself every day, um, the easier it's going to be to guide people to talk about themselves and to, to guide those conversations. So thank you so much. I hope you have a fantastic day, my friend. And uh, yeah, all right, for sure, brother. Catch you later. Nice. Okay. Everybody that's listening on Anchor, thank you so much for chilling in there. That is Michael Velosen, V-O-L-O-S-E-N. Find him on Facebook. Um, he's in the Dallas-Fort Worth area as well. He's he's uh, one of the most outgoing and, and connected people that, that I know. So hit him up. He's got his business consulting group at uh, Team Up again in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So until next time, thank you. Peace out.